We really believe about solutions over problems because the problems are well-defined. That's what everyone talks about on the evening news, but that doesn't actually lead to action. It often leads to cynicism, hopelessness, and often hate. But by contrast, if we can redraw the boundaries of what's possible and show a way a better future can be built, then that leads to action. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey everyone, it's Sam here. Today we're excited to do something a little bit different on Elevate, and that is to host a couple of the brilliant minds behind Future Crunch, a platform which is dedicated to fostering optimism and inspiring creative thinking. Together, Future Crunch is a group of scientists, artists, technologists, and entrepreneurs who believe there are new and better ways of doing things in the 21st century. I first discovered these guys during the pandemic, not just for highlighting good news, which is very in line with our brand, but also for thinking outside the box, as at times only listening to the same people in the same industry all the time can end up being a little bit of an echo chamber. And these guys to me were just like a breath of fresh air. So today I am delighted to introduce you to Future Crunch co-founder Tane Hunter and Ria Mikado, who will be joining Tane on stage at Elite Retreat in July. So Tane, Ria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much Thank for you having Thank you so much us. for having us. Yeah, we're really excited to be here. Yeah, well, I'm excited. You guys are absolute rock stars in my mind. And as I mentioned, we are super delighted to have you join us in Bali. So I just want to know, have you packed yet? No, I've not packed. I'm a last-minute packer, so I'll be doing it the morning of, and I always freak out and then end up with, you know, twice the amount of undies and socks and extra t-shirts and everything like that. So at least I've always got my bases covered, but baggage is a bit more expensive for me, unfortunately. And unlike Tane, I am a planner, so I've already packed my little yellow polka dot bikini for y'all in Bali. There is definitely a nice pool for you to try that out in for sure. I've seen all the influences, so you know, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it too. Our audience might not be 100% familiar with Future Crunch, so I might get you guys just to give yourselves a bit of an introduction starting with Tane. And I believe that before Future Crunch, you've got a bit of a real estate background. Yeah. When I was 19, I moved to Durango, Colorado, a beautiful place in the mountains. And the real estate market was going gangbusters. And so my parents wanted to help me fund my mountain biking career because it's not exactly that lucrative. And so dad's a mathematician and a businessman. So we went out and looked at the market and said, we're going to look at some properties that you can help manage tonight for your career, you know, to help you ride your bike and go off into the forest <laughs> and do what you love to do. And he came back after looking at some properties and said, we crunched the numbers, we put in offers for five, we'll probably get one or two, ended up with all five. So at 19, I was managing five real estate properties, and we expanded from there to other residential and commercial properties for nigh on a decade. So uh, yeah, I'm well steeped in what you do and love it. Yeah, amazing. And so from there, how did you get from there into Future Crunch? I know that that's going to be a big leap in time, but let's give it a shot. Well, unfortunately, 
when I was 22, I had an injury. I broke my back and that ended my cycling career. So I had to figure out what else to do besides kept on with real estate for quite some time. But I went back to university and studied biology and chemistry, which led me to go sailing around the world with my parents, <laughs> take a few years off and ended up in New Zealand's, actually the Cook Islands at this beached whale. And it was hot and stinky and they were doing a dissection on it. And it happened that a world expert from Harvard was doing the dissection. And I just walked along and said, you know, was watching and just interested. And a lot of the volunteers gave up because it was really hot and stinking and it's not a very pleasant experience. So I said, I put my hand up. I said, I love marine biology. This is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And over the course of four days during this dissection, she gave me incredibly valuable advice. If you want to be in marine biology, it's a saturated field. So you'll probably end up doing your PhD on something like a sea sponge. All the cool animals like dolphins and whales have been taken and, you know, sharks. So she said, if you learn to study the code of life, DNA, genetics, and you can apply that to any field within biology. So that led me to University of Melbourne. And I got a placement doing bioinformatics at Peter McCullum Cancer Research Center. And I fell in love with it, the ability to help people and look at the code of life and figure out what particular changes are causing DNA and help clinicians find the right treatments to improve patient outcomes. So that's how I ended up doing future crunch in science. And then I got bored easily, so started a science communication company so we could tell people about all the cool, amazing tech, science, and good news around the world. Yeah, amazing. And we're going to dive into that in a second because I love the whole good news aspect of Future Crunch. But Ria, what about yourself? Can you give us a little bit of background? Yeah, so I'm actually a healthcare humanist and a storyteller, but my career started off as an accredited exercise physiologist. And so ultimately, I was that 17-year-old kid who did pee at school, not a great sports star, but I just fell in love with the human body. I had a teacher named Fiona Cope who just presented the human body to me in a way that was so fascinating. And I just ended up going into a university course. So I wanted to be an, a work for elite sport and I wanted to go to the Olympics and be a physio or do strength and conditioning. And that really didn't pan out. <laughs> I didn't get the marks that I needed. And I ended up at the University of Technology, Sydney in what we used to refer to as the basement and the dungeon. There were 30 people in my human movement studies course and we just got to play. We got to play with treadmills and we got to poke and prod each other and do experiments on one another. That's how I got into that type of work and then fell in love with the human side of exercise and wellness and healthcare and the realization that healthcare is more than medicine. It's more than poking and prodding people or doing tests. It's actually about how our psychology and our environment affects our attitudes towards our health and our wellness. And that's where my work is now is around that humanizing healthcare. And just remembering that there's a human and a person at the center of a diagnosis. And I ended up with Future Crunch. And how I actually ended up with Future Crunch was I met Tane through a series of events and I basically looked him in the eye and I asked if I could please join their amazing team. So that's how I kind of got here. I'm going to ask him at the end of this podcast, so let's see how I go. <laughs> but 
One of the things that really captured my imagination about your bio, Ria, was that we all think that there's a whole lot of things that happen in our lives that are not supposed to be fun. And it is hard to put a good spin on things, but something as simple as going to see a medical professional or a doctor or something like that, or a dentist. I mean, I'm terrified of the dentist. But why is that? Why have we all sort of become so terrified when it could be something different? Well, if you think about the only reason why you do visit a healthcare professional is because something is wrong. And when something is wrong and unpredictable, and we've seen that during the last few years, is the thought of the unknown is so scary. And so when you wake up one day and all of a sudden you can't move or your tooth hurts, the first thing you default to is that catastrophe mindset. And our best biology, and Tane can speak to this as well, is that our brains like to stick to negativity. And that's because from an evolutionary perspective, it's fight or flight. I mean, back in the day before we had technology in houses, we were running away from things that could kill us every single day. And that's why I think that people are so worried about going to see healthcare professionals is because they see them when it's a really unpredictable time in their lives and something could have gone really badly for them. And the nature of my work is exercise rehabilitation and workers' compensation. And I never see anybody on a good day. That's why it's so scary for people to go and see doctors. Something's gone wrong. Something's not right. Yeah. And it's the unpredictable, which I think is something that we'll talk about a a bit more in depth because the world itself is quite unpredictable at the moment with things changing so rapidly. But going to go back to Tane for a second and the idea of Future Crunch. So how would you describe the mission and purpose of Future Crunch and what do you guys hope to achieve through your work? So at a higher level, Future Crunch is a media thought leadership and think tank. I know it sounds like a breakfast cereal for robots, but it's a think tank with a simple mission to discover what's happening on the frontiers of science and technology and really to seek out and tell stories of human progress stories that we think that everyone needs to hear a lot more about in this day and age. Because we believe in an intelligent, courageous, and active optimism. And it's really important to make a distinction here. A lot of people think optimism is naive. And naive optimism is a boy waiting at Christmas time for Santa Claus to bring him presents. That's naive optimism. An engaged, active optimism is a girl who wants to build a treehouse. She looks at the solutions and what she needs, goes out and get wood, plank, nails, hammer, and gets a group of friends to come together and make a solution happen. We really believe about solutions over problems because the problems are well-defined. That's what everyone talks about on the evening news, who all the headlines are about. That's where you get at every dinner party. But that doesn't actually lead to action. It often leads to cynicism, hopelessness, and often hate. Because cynicism is easy. You're never wrong or disappointed when things go bad. But by contrast, if we can redraw the boundaries of what's possible and show a way a better future can be built, then that leads to action. And that's what we believe. And also, as science nerds, we like to keep the facts sacred. We're not just like, hey, look at this random thing. You know, we just read the headline and then posted the article. It's like deep research and to make sure what we tell people is solid and ready to rock and roll. Yeah, and to that point as well, in healthcare, we are inherently intelligent optimists. People walk into our clinics at a bad time, they've broken a leg, they've done their back in, and we bring all the facts and all the information, all the research, all the evidence that we have. And 
exactly like building a treehouse. We take the tools and then we use those tools to help our patients get better. But what really grounds us is in the optimism that we can help this person. Yeah, amazing. And the medical people might be wondering, hang on a second, why are you inviting a couple of scientists to a real estate? Have you finally lost the plot, Sam? (laughs) But I can assure you all I absolutely have not lost the plot. I think when we look at the world and how it's rapidly changing right now, I mean, the area of medical science, and you're saying based on facts and data and things like that, the real estate industry is not too different. Like if you actually look at the facts and the data and stuff like that, it's different. But Tane, what are some of the things that are happening right now that you see as really well-defined? Well, the clean energy revolution is arguably the best economic opportunities we've had in decades. Regardless, it's not an ideological argument anymore. The writing's on the wall. It's just cheaper to save the world than it is to ruin it. That gives me great hope, and you're seeing that change very rapidly. All the big car companies are going electric. Regardless of what politicians say about reduce emissions by this, this, and this, so the technology is growing so fast, becoming so much better and so much cheaper that that's actually what's driving it. It's not politics or ideology. So that's a world changer. The stuff going on with biotechnology and CRISPR, like new forms of gene editing called base editing, they're calling CRISPR 2.0. They just cured a young girl's incurable leukemia, cleared it from her blood for the first time ever in a living human being. We are seeing incredible stuff in machine learning and artificial intelligence. Of course, there's ChatGPT, which everyone talks about. But it's scary, but it's also an incredible tool. Like we use it all the time for writer's block. You can create presentations, you can write emails. It's a tool that helps augment your ability and frees up time. So really, what do you do with that spare capacity? And those that use that spare capacity to identify tasks and new tools to help your clients, yourself, and your customers, or even your organization and your coworkers. Those are the winners, and that's really the crux of what the adaptability quotient's all about, is looking at these new tools to make things better, new sustainable ways of creating things, additive manufacturing, 3D printing, digitization, connectivity. We have access to the greatest information resource humanity has ever known at our fingertips. And now people have never had access, like in developing worlds, they can get an education from MIT just on their phone. And that's so powerful. Yes, you do need a really good, I'll just say a bullshit filter to get through the signal from the noise, but that's going to be the next big challenge. It's not whether these tools are good, nor evil, nor neutral. It's how we use them that truly matters. That's why it's so important to talk about this stuff in an outside of your industry as well. I often think about it like this. In cancer research, I use algorithms that were originally sharpened by the Hubble telescope. So who would have thought a invention of stargazers would have transformed modern day medicine and cancer research? So remember, it's important in any industry to take your blinders off, look up and look out because the innovation that's going to transform your industry is very likely to come from outside of it. So it's so important to look at not only what's important for you and your industry right now, but what's more important for the world in general. Yeah, and if I can jump onto that as well, we speak about even the way that we're doing things in healthcare now. We're looking at robotics 
So that's not a traditional healthcare pathway, but we have to work with engineers and robotics engineers to build exoskeletons. We're building exoskeletons to help people with neurological conditions and stroke rehabilitation. And as Tani said, we must take the blinders off and look around at the greater world because we talk about disruption and the people who know who are the best people who can disrupt your industry are actually the ones that know least about it because they're much more imaginative than we are and they have fewer perceptions of what the limitations are. And especially in a field like real estate or healthcare, we're taught status quo. We're taught to do the same things because that's how everybody else did it before us. And so part of the adaptability question is to look around you and to challenge the status quo and seek for new and innovative ways, dare I say, of doing the tasks that you need to do every day, and that creativity as well. Yeah. Look, if that was a Facebook post, I'd be smashing the like button as many times as I possibly could on both of you because actually Tane used your exact words with Scott Bateman, who is one of the other presenters at, at Elite Retreat, because we were both talking about the developments that are happening in the fintech industry and how the fintech industry is sort of lowering their cost bases and able to scale their business without scaling cost as well. And I'm a bit of a chat GPT fan. In fact, one day I'm going to actually get chat GPT to write my podcast questions and challenge myself to just stick to them and see what happens. But we were both talking about this, like if you use tools like artificial intelligence, it's not actually the ability to use the tools, it's what you do with the time that you save that is actually going to make the difference, which I think you just pointed out, Tane. Yeah, and it's also thinking about it as a tool for self-reflection as well. Like you may think something like, I challenge anyone to ask someone what your business is. So we asked GPT what Future Crunch was, and it gave us a beautiful readout. But then we said, can you make it in a comedic and snarky manner. And it said, well, it's about crunching the future. They believe in a better world that can be filled. But they're probably so optimistic that they believe unicorns are real and rainbows taste like Skittles. So if you're feeling down and out, sprinkle a bit of fairy dust on your day. And they might even convince you that robot cars and robot butlers are just around the corner. And it was just hysterical. So you can use it to make fun of yourself, be self-reflective as well. So it can teach you a lot about what you're missing as well and what your potential could be. Because you're using, you're scraping all the best stuff from all over the internet. Why wouldn't you? And I think what artificial intelligence allows us to do, and it's that bandwidth, is if it can take care of those seemingly mundane tasks, it can write your podcast questions for you, Sam. What it then allows you to do is to do the more human tasks, to be creative, explore all the other things that you're looking to explore because AI is doing all the mundane stuff for you, the research, all those things for you already. And that's where I really believe that it's not computers or machines versus humans. It's us actually really interfacing with it to bring out our own superpowers because it allows us time to then explore what exactly are our superpowers. And that's the beauty of technology just across the board. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. So let's talk about some of the other aspects of Future Crunch that I love because I'm asking the questions. (laughs) I really loved your newsletter. And as I said in my intro, the good news aspect of it, and it's something that's one of our values at Elite Agent is that real estate agents, I think, have it hard enough sometimes getting motivated to make the calls and have the hard conversations, particularly when the market's hard. So we deliberately go out of our way not to add misery (laughs) by 
reporting bad news and agents stole something from the trust fund and four corners and all that sort of stuff. We sort of stick to the more optimistic stuff, which I think was why I gravitated directly to you guys during the pandemic. I know it was hard for me. How hard was it for you, Tane, to stay positive during those few years or intelligently optimistic, I think, as you said before? Well, it was a roller coaster ride, to be honest, and it started on a free fall. I mean, we do a lot of podcasts and public facing stuff, and we base it on the world is better than you think and intelligent optimism. And then all of a sudden, everyone was suddenly in the trenches. And we lost hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of sales immediately. One of the main things that got me out of it was I used to write this thing called the Corona Daily Dozen, which so I'd scour the internet and look for 12 good stories around coronavirus. Whether it's people running around in Mexico in superhero costumes, educating kids and people to get vaccinated, or it's the incredible work for all the healthcare workers or donations, incredible new vaccines and the science, food banks, that type of thing, donations for people who were losing their jobs, subsidies around the world, and basically just get this, what you don't see in the headlines, because everyone was looking at the daily body counts and the new infection rates, and it makes you just feel worse, worse, worse. And so that really helped pick me up. It's like people are actually getting together and making, really trying to conquer one of the biggest challenges humanity had ever faced. And so that's what got me through it. So what we do with the newsletter in general, like inside COVID and outside of COVID, is to really what we call help people tune their information diet. Because we think about like a, a normal nutritional diet is like if you eat good quality food, your fruits, your nuts, all your greens, and just have lean proteins if you eat proteins or most people probably should be vegetarian or eat less meat. But anyway, that's a whole, I don't even want to touch that. But if you have a healthy diet and you exercise, it makes you feel good, right? You're going to live longer, you have less stress hormones, and you just feel better about the life. Your life. In the same way, your information diet, what comes in does come out and has a huge, not only physical effect on your body, but also an emotional effect on your body. So what we want to try and do is get some good leafy greens, all that good nutrition out there for people, for their intake of information and knowledge. And it changes your view of the way the world looks. Like if you don't exercise for a couple of days, you feel like crap about yourself. But as soon as you start exercising, you start to feel good about the world and you want to go see more people, you want to hang out. If you want to do that extra thing, oh, I can do this. I can go for another walk. I could do the dishes hate doing the dishes, but I'll get that done. Yeah, let's make this fun. And so it's about tuning your information diet to feed you, choose your narrative nosh, your story souffle, that actually uplifts you rather than puts you down. And that's what we really try and do is help people get the right information to make the world a better place and to make you feel better and more active and a better belief in the future that you can help be a part of. Yeah, it's amazing. And We'll leave some links in the show notes to your newsletter and things like that. But normally, if you're listening to the news, they get on at five o'clock and say good evening. And I've joked about this plenty of times. They say good evening and then proceed to tell you why it isn't. It's actually really lovely to sort of get some good news in your inbox and, you know, amazing job. I gravitate to your newsletter, even though I've got 10,000 unread emails. So there you go. Let's talk about adaptability because that's one of the things that going to be talking about at Elite Retreat. And actually, before we get into that, let's talk about 
you guys have got a really interesting presentation style as well. I saw a bit of a presentation on Zoom a couple of years ago, which again sort of caught my imagination. So can you guys give me a bit of an overview of what people at Elite Retreat might see on stage? Well, firstly, we really enjoy doing duos and duets. It's a team at Future Crunch because we are diverse by design. And the way that Future Crunch and the Think Tank actually works is if you ask us this question, we're all going to look at it from a very different perspective because of our background. And so what you're going to see on stage, number one, is just two really good friends being able to spend time with each other on stage and share the good news that we share with one another. And so I think for me, it's a lot of energy. I think you've mentioned Sam previously. I'm a bit of a powerhouse. I'm a very excitable type of person, but you're going to see something that is, we're not behind the lectern. And as someone who is from healthcare and gone to a lot of healthcare conferences, there's a lot of that really, oh, dare I say, boring, mundane, very much here are the facts, but we're storytellers and we take the facts, we take the good news and we humanize it. And you'll see a lot of Tane moving around a lot, like Tane, <laughs> we, bond, we weave on the stage, but we just like to bring our personalities to the stage and we are very excited about the world. And I personally love humans and I love the world and I love telling stories. And I like to think what people will see is that excitement that I do bring to the stage. And I get to share it with someone like Tane, who is, again, one of my very good friends. And that's just the coolest thing. And all, all of the team members in Future Crunch really respect each other. But to go back to your question, we're going to talk about the adaptability quotient, which I'll get to in just a second. But sum up what Rhea is saying, we call it smart, heart, and fart. So the smart is the pyramid. It's all the facts, the technology, the evidence, right? Then from there, we get to the heart, the storytelling. How can we connect with you on a level that you're actually going to internalize it, care about it, and actually will change you and take something away that you either want to improve on or that you agree with and the want to, and probably hopefully want to make better? Learn a bunch of new stuff. And then the fart is we like to have fun and we like to make terrible jokes just to keep people entertained and laugh. And in the middle of it, we're going to have some rock and roll. But to go back to what the actual topic is, is the adaptability quotient. So defined as your ability to identify what is relevant, unlearn obsolete knowledge and the old ways of thinking, to overcome challenges and make a conscious and consistent effort to change in real time. Because the world has never been changing faster. And if you don't like change, you will like relevance even less. But we will be irreverent about it. And we give a bunch of different examples of people outside of your industry that are doing things in a different way, putting two unrelated concepts together, which is at the core of innovation, creativity, and adaptability. And so shining a new light on how people around the world are just making solutions from disparate ways of thinking, which is great. And it really shows you that you don't have to be an expert in a field to change the field irrevocably. And then we also go through on a roller coaster ride through science, AI, biotechnology, space travel, all kinds of cool stuff. So it's a pretty fun ride. And then we give three major takeaways at the end about how you can improve your AQ or adaptability quotient. So you can start working on your individual and organizational AQ as soon as you walk out of the session and something to think about. These are big topics that we're talking here. And I think 
AQ is a big topic to be talking about when you've got all the busyness of the day-to-day coming at you, tenants that you need to chase up for rent and all of those real estate things. And I guess that goes to the heart of why we're taking everyone away to actually be able to absorb this stuff. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, the reason I think people will get so much out of it is because you're going away on this amazing retreat. We think about it like this, IQ, your qualifications, your expertise, how smart you were, your IQ, your intelligent quotient, you're there because of your qualifications and expertise. You've got your EQ, your emotional quotient, your ability to communicate, empathize, build incredible relationships with your clients and coworkers. You're there because of that. But the adaptability quotient is something that a lot of people don't know about it. But the good news is it's something that you can work at something that you can get better at in the process, just like physical fitness. And we'll show you how to begin on that journey. Yeah, and it's actually learning a lot about AQ and in presenting about AQ because, as Tade said, everyone's very familiar with IQ. Everybody's really familiar with EQ. But AQ is, you mentioned, Sam, it's sort of a large concept. And the way we will deliver it is it's actually a lot simpler There are very simple things that you can practice in your daily life to help improve your AQ, to increase your AQ. And it's actually not, again, that predictability is actually not as large and as scary to be able to practice and learn an AQ and develop AQ. And that is, I think, what the real takeaway message is, is that we're very capable as humans and we're very capable. Adaptability is actually quite intrinsic. We're very much wired for it. As you were talking then, I was just kind of thinking, A bit about what Tane said too, is you go to the gym and you get fitter, that's adaptability. And so I'm guessing that it's something that you can practice. We had to all become really adaptable during the pandemic. But I've actually heard that Silicon Valley now are pretty much hiring on people's AQ rather than IQ or EQ at the moment. That is totally true. Interesting. Amazing. So we're going to see you guys at Elite Retreat in July, but are there any other projects or initiatives that you're working on where people might want to get involved or follow you or anything else that we should look out for? Well, if you're interested in what we do on socials and you want some good news, if you want to be less boring at a dinner party or you're feeling a little depressed about the state of the world, check out some of our social media. And then we have two newsletters. One is... Just good news. It's like a public service, but it's all the incredible stuff going on in conservation, human rights, clean energy, better ways of doing stuff, but under very human centric and well, environmental nature as well. And then we do have a paid one. I'm not trying to sell anything. It's totally up to you. When you go to the conference, we'll give you a three month subscription. But that's when we dive a bit deeper into thought pieces and use our academic and research skills to talk more heavily about like AI or biotech and medicine, the cutting edge stuff going on in cancer research. And then we also have a cool section, the internet superhighway is awesome. And then we give some really fun stuff, really cool, funky stuff. And it's all kids safe, don't worry. But really cool, funky stuff that we find is very entertaining and groundbreaking in the arts and entertainment and just stories of humankind. And we give 30% of all of that to charity as well. So if you're looking for charities, if you're looking for a place to help, go to our website and then there's almost 100 charities that we've done over the years. You can decide where you want to put your money with and every dollar helps. And these are not big NGOs like, I don't want to mention anyone's, but they're small individuals, mainly volunteer-based, doing stuff like 
traveling telescopes in Kenya so people can see the moon and the stars for the first time in the slums of Nairobi or all kinds of stuff. Yeah. One of my personal favorites was there's a, an organization that's helping children in my home country of the Philippines who have, were born with club feet or club foot, and it's helping them be able to walk again. And again, that's just a healthcare thing, but it's very close to home. Yeah. Amazing. Well, it's been fantastic getting to know you guys a little bit better on the podcast today, and I can highly recommend the paid newsletter. So if you guys won't sell it, I will. It's amazing. So thank you very much. I'm so looking forward to seeing you guys in July. If there's one thing that you'd like to leave everyone with, what would it be? And I'll start with ladies first with Rhea. I think what I would say to people is you're important and I think it's okay to be you in your work, in your home and in your play because ultimately we're all humans and that's the one thing that binds us together. So go be you, go show the world your superpowers and contribute in that way. Amazing. Tane? Easy question. I think for general well-being, always surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. And that doesn't mean necessarily an IQ or EQ, but surround yourself with people that are smarter than you in a different area because they will know less of your perceived notions. So if you're looking for disruption, surround yourself with people who know a lot less about your subject matter as well, and you know a lot less about their subject matter as well, because that works both ways. And then you might find a common ground that could be an innovation that has never transpired before. That's what I would say. Amazing. Tane Hunter and Ray Mikado, thank you so much. Thank you. That was a pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll see you in Bali. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joinaliteagent.com. 